Now, God gave you life to begin with, physical life. He gives you spiritual life. That's how you come to Christ. You recognize it's not something you can earn. You can go to church often enough or give enough money or change your ways enough to get right with God. No, sin has messed us up. We need, we need forgiveness. We need life from God. And so, in a nutshell, the scripture says, you've earned something with your sin. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is what? Life, eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. God has given you Christian life, spiritual life, real life. Welcome to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue in our study of the Gospel of Matthew. Pastor Scott brings a message titled, Do Not Be Anxious. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. Where your treasure is, Jesus said, that's where your heart will be, and God is after our heart. And then he changed the metaphor from the heart to verse 22, the eye, your vision, what is it that you're focused on, uh, what do you and I set our attention on, where is our eye, you might say. And then he summarized by saying, you really can't have it both ways. You, you can't serve God and money. You can't uh, have two gods in your life. God is a jealous God. That's one of the first things he reveals about himself. Uh, and we think of jealousy as negative because we are so imbalanced in our sin. But healthy jealousy, we understand it. A husband is rightfully, uh, he wants exclusive devotion from his wife. And a wife rightfully wants exclusive devotion from her husband. And it can become negative jealousy. It can become obsessive, that sort of thing. But you can see the beauty of it when you think of the exclusive nature, for instance, of the marital relationship. And everyone understands that. Well, God wants exclusive relationship with us in the sense that no one has any competition, you might say. He is to have our heart. He will not share us. Uh, when they came to Jesus, and uh, later, and we'll see it in chapter 21, and they said, what, what's the greatest commandment? He said, this is the greatest commandment. This is the bottom line. Love the Lord your God with your whole heart, soul, strength, and mind. God created us for himself. He wants us to give exclusive devotion to him. Now, having said that, verse 25 uh, and through really through 34, follow up on that. And so I've said that much. Let me just read that again, or not again, we'll read it for the first time, 25 through 34, uh, with this in mind because it's tied, obviously. He says, for this reason, notice verse 25. For this reason, what reason? Well, what he's just said, okay? For this reason, I say to you, do not be anxious for your life as to what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor for your body as to what you shall put on. Is not life more than food and the body than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And which of you, by being anxious, 
can add a single cubit to his lifespan. And why are you anxious about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They don't toil, nor do they spin. Uh, Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory did not clothe himself like one of these. If God so arrays the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more do so for you, O men of little faith? Do not be anxious then, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or with what shall we clothe ourselves? For all these things the Gentiles eagerly seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I said that the gal told me, hey, cops have a stressful job, and I agree. Uh, I'll bet you have a stressful occupation. Uh, Stress is one of the big issues in our lives, and Jesus here says, for this reason I say to you, don't be stressed. Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. And then he has given a warning about hoarding up treasure for ourselves as if that will solve our problems. And now he gives a warning about worrying about the same. Being anxious about the same. I used to look at it, verses 19 through 24, as uh, counsel to the rich. You know, don't just lay it all up. Don't treasure it all. And verses 25 through the end of the chapter, a little bit more to the poor. And I think that's legitimate. Uh, And I mentioned last week in closing that everyone here in the room were rich by any kind of standards, living in America alone. Uh, any kind of historical standard or you name it, uh, we have much. Uh, but I don't, I wouldn't make a dichotomy here. Don't, whether you're rich or poor by man's standards, don't lay your treasure up down here, okay? And whether you're rich or poor by man's standards, don't worry about it. Don't be anxious. Don't fret about these things. Notice uh, with me, just looking at the text, verse 25, he says, do not be anxious. He reiterates this five times, five times. Verse 27, which of you by being anxious can add a single day or cubit to your lifespan? Verse 28, why are you anxious, stressed, fearful, Worried about clothing. Verse 31. Don't be anxious. Then saying, what should we drink? What should we eat? What should we clothe ourselves with? Verse 34. Therefore, he closes his thought. Do not be anxious. Five times. Don't be anxious for tomorrow. Tomorrow, care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. It's like this whole section is a commentary on uh, a verse that has meant a lot to me. Uh, In fact, I 
I had a friend uh, put it in nice, you know, calligraphy on some parchment and made a plaque out of it, and we, we've got it hanging on our wall. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When you came to Christ, and I hope you have, but if you haven't, welcome. But when you come to Jesus Christ, you're born into God's family. And he not only saved you, he will sustain you. He'll take care of you. And it's really irrational for Christ followers, for Christians, for those who know Christ, to spend a lot of time worrying. Doesn't mean we don't. I'm just saying he says don't. And it's like this whole section is a comment on the verse I was quoting, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. I, uh, I love that little statement by the psalmist in the 94th Psalm. When my anxious thoughts multiply within me. And I stop right there and I say, boy, isn't that how it works? Worry leads to worry, which breeds more worry. When my anxiety multiplies within me, that's Psalm 94, 19. A, the first line. The second line, when my anxious thoughts multiply within me, your consolations delight my soul. When I take my mind off of my troubles, off of my fears, off of my what-ifs, what's going to happen, off of my anxieties, and put my mind back on who God is, his consolations delight my soul, and I find peace. Uh, Jesus said, little children, over in Luke 12, he says, little children, your heavenly Father knows you need these things. And I love that, the way he says it, little kids. You know, uh, you have children and they're saying, Where, where's my next meal coming from? And you, as a parent, you say, I'll take care of that. Don't worry about it. I'll take care of that. Because you care for them. Well, we have a heavenly father. And he says here, your father knows you need these things. So he says, don't be anxious. And notice what he says, don't be anxious about. <laughs> Food, drink. Clothing, not the peripherals, but the essentials, it seems. Uh, in fact, people who don't know Christ would uh, reduce life to this. Look at those three categories, verse 25. Food, drink, clothing, stuff. Uh, this is really living, people say when they're at a good restaurant or whatever. you know, Or they... You know, or you provide what you need and you just think, now now we're living. And Jesus said, is that really life? People that don't know Christ, I can understand why our culture at large basically thinks that life is how much you make, how much you've got, how much you can acquire, how secure you think you are in all this. But Jesus said, no, life, life is much more than mere physical existence. We have the highest standard of living that the world has ever conceived of. We have, we've tried to believe for over a century now that life is a bunch of chemicals and that we're just kind of another species and, and if we can just get everybody to a certain standard of living and if we can just solve our, that we'd have real life. 
And Jesus cuts through that fog and he says, no, no. Life comes from God. And life is not merely physical existence. We're created by God in his image. And we were created for relationship with him. And we're not merely like the animals that just live and eat and drink and die. No, no. We have a body, a soul, a spirit. We have capacity to know God. In the very first page of the Bible, he created us male and female in his image. And then it says he breathed into us the breath of life. Life is found in Christ, real life. I'm not talking about mere existence or that your heart is ticking and it'll stop ticking someday. (laughs) No, I'm talking about life. In him, John begins his gospel. In him was life. In Christ was life, and the life was the light of men. If you're listening today, let me tell you, life is knowing Jesus Christ. This is eternal life, that they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Now, God gave you life, to begin with, physical life. He gives you spiritual life. That's how you come to Christ. You recognize it's not something you can earn. You can go to church often enough or give enough money or change your ways enough to get right with God. No, sin has messed us up. We need need forgiveness. We need life from God. And so in a nutshell, the scripture says you've earned something with your sin. The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is what? Life. Eternal life. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. God has given you Christian life, spiritual life, real life. Not mere existence now, but relationship with him. And he says, and this instruction is to those who know him. Uh, We ought not to be fussing around about that which he'll take care of. And so he says, look at verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. He directs their attention. Most of Jesus' teaching was outdoors. And this time of year, I'm trying to get outdoors as much as possible, right? I mean, this man, this weather is great. And so, uh, you know, as you're walking back to the office, look at the birds of the air. Verse 28, observe how the lilies of the field grow, the wildflowers that Jesus could just point at. And he said, look, observe. And he gives two illustrations. And in both cases, uh, he uses two different words for look. And so uh, they've rightfully translated it, look, you know, and then observe. The first one is, take a look, see it. The second one is, go to school on it. Learn, understand, and it's a strengthened form of the word understand. And he says, uh, and it's kind of in both cases, an argument from the lesser to the greater. Look at the birds of the air. They don't toil, they don't sow, neither do they reap, or gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? Look at the birds. I do. I'm not a bird watcher, you know, uh, per se. But I like to watch birds. And actually in our backyard, when we look out our kitchen window, we see birds and we see hummingbirds. And I I marvel at birds. I think we all do. And... uh, God created the birds, but they're not 
they're not his blood-bought children like you are, Christian. He's invested the blood of Jesus Christ in you. The birds are merely his creation. Yet what? He feeds them. He takes care of the birds that he created. The giver of life is also the sustainer of life. Birds get their food from God. It's not, don't, don't take the wrong lesson here. It's not that they don't have to labor. Birds are pretty busy if you watch them. They're looking for bugs. They're drinking nectar out of flowers, the hummingbirds, you know. Uh, they're listening and then going after worms. I mean, they're working. And the Bible everywhere teaches us that we're to go for it. It's not wrong to go back to your job this afternoon or to be diligent about your business. You know, the lesson here isn't, hey, take the day off, man. <laughs> I, you, you say, I wish it was. Well, it's not. But uh, he says, look at the birds. They don't, uh, they don't worry and the Lord takes care of them. We're not taught that here that we ought not to sow, reap, or have storehouses. He's just simply saying, don't put your trust there. Look at the birds. And then he says, observe the lilies, the lilies of the field. This hardly needs comment. <laughs> Flowers are so pretty. <laughs> and he says, look at the lilies. Look at how God clothes them. Better than the most rich king, Solomon, could ever order up the nicest fabrics, you know, and have everything done by designers. And, and he says, a wildflower is better dressed than the best dressed man. God even takes care of plant life. <laughs> wow. Uh, if that's so, will he take care of me? The one whom he sent his son to die for? Oh, yeah, he will. And uh, by the way, look what he says, verse 28. Observe the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory did not clothe himself like one of these. And then he applies it. If God, verse 30, so arrays the grass of the field. What's the flower there for? Well, in one sense, we could say to just adorn the grass. And if you're out in the wild, you know, where we don't have them in bouquets and in an arrangement, you just see, boy, there'd be a field of grass and God puts flowers in it just to adorn the grass. And then he says this, if God so arrays the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, they used to heat with grass. Grass was something you just gather up and burn to get some heat out of. Nowadays, what do we do with it? Just gather it up and mulch it. <laughs> yeah, grass. He says, if God takes care of the grass that way, will he not take care of you? My Bible, uh, I love the first page, you know. It's blank, except for, and I can't find it right now, but the, there's one page in here as you open it up that there's right on the front page this thought of grass because I think we all understand that grass is kind of come, goes, uh, and Jesus says, look at the grass. And the verse that's quoted, and it's just on one, just right there, it's Isaiah 40, verse 8. The grass withers, the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord abides forever. 
What a great statement to start the Bible with, not to start it with, you know, but to just kind of say, hey, what is this book anyway? And then I take the two verses around. That's Isaiah 40, verse 8. And it's a great statement. And ahead of it, it says, all flesh, all of us are like grass. The grass withers, the flower falls off. People come and go. Great people, the greatest of his generation, they're gone. And the great ones today, they'll come and go. The grass withers, the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord abides forever. And then the next verse says, and this is what the word of God is all about. Behold your God. And it's that great statement that John the Baptist began his ministry with by pointing people to Jesus Christ. And that's what this book is all about. The skeptics of this book, they're going to come and go. The great men of our city, the great men of our country, the greats, you know, they're going to come and go. They're grass. But this book, the word of the Lord, will abide forever. And this book is all about what? It's all about who? Jesus Christ. Behold your God. And I'm telling you, uh, Jesus is the one speaking here when he says, just look, God even takes care of the grass. Don't be anxious then, verse 31. Uh, by the way, I didn't comment on it, and I'm, I'll take just a second on it. Verse 27, he talks about the futility of anxiety. He says, which of you, by being anxious, can add a single cubit to his lifespan? And there's a little debate on the translation there. Which of you, sometimes it's translated this way, which of you, by being worrying about it, can add a single inch or cubit, that was a measurement in those days, uh, to your life, your height, you know? Uh, you'd like to be six foot two. Can you get there by worrying about it? No, he says. Or you'd like to live a long life. Whichever way you translate it, either one, he says, which of you, by being anxious, uh, how, much, how much lifespan will anxiety add to your life? The doctors tell us what? It'll subtract a little if you don't watch it. You'll have high blood pressure or something. He says, don't be anxious. Do not be anxious then saying, verse 31, what should we eat or what should we drink or with what should we clothe ourselves? Remember whose family you're in. Your father, he knows you need these things. All these things the Gentiles eagerly seek. People that don't know Christ, they seek that stuff. But you, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Seek first. And here he gets to his main point, verse 33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and he'll take care of everything else. All these things he'll add to you. Therefore, don't be anxious for tomorrow. Tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You've been listening to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, Do Not Be Anxious, a message from our study of the Gospel of Matthew. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to AbideInTheWord.us. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. If you don't have a church home in the area, Pastor Scott would love to invite you to join us in person for our Sunday worship services at Southwest Bible Church. 
That's each Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 a.m. at the church located at the corner of Southwest Murray and Weir Road in Beaverton. You can go to our website at swbible.org for more details. We hope to see you there. We have a new app available called the Abide app. It's available in both the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store. Along with the sermon library, you'll also find Scott's written publications, biblical seminars on a variety of subjects, daily devotional videos, this radio program, and the Abide Method, a monthly Bible reading and writing plan developed by Scott to give you the opportunity to read and write out Scripture. These resources all come free within the app, so if you're looking to deepen your relationship with Christ, please consider downloading the Abide app in either the Apple or Google App Stores. We'd love to get this valuable resource into your hands. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. We have responsibility, actually. Matthew 18 is in the Bible. If you see your brother in sin, you must go to him. But be careful. Don't go fast. And here's Galatians' comment on it. Galatians 6.1, Brethren, even if a man is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual... Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, looking to yourselves, lest you too be tempted. If I can see a flaw in somebody else, chances are it's because I have the same flaw. And just learn the principle, uh, be careful, and don't be failing in self-examination, but excelling in judging others. Join us again next time as we continue in our study of the Gospel of Matthew. Pastor Scott will bring a message titled, Guilt Precedes Grace. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.